Welcome to Counterintelligence. This is Eric LeVay. Today's guest is Alice Stallmeyer, the Executive Director of Defending Democracy. As always, if you want to support the Counterintelligence Podcast and Forensic News, we are on Patreon at Forensic News. Today we'd like to thank our newest Patreons, Craig P., Jim R., and REC. Thank you very much, and here's the show. Alice Stallmeyer, welcome to the Counterintelligence Podcast. Thank you, Eric. And yeah. hi to the listeners. <laughs> yeah, we have a, uh, since we joined up, like I was telling you before, we uh, we operated for a couple years under a different name, and then I joined up with uh, Forensic News and Scott Stedman, and we're just on a right. much bigger platform. Yeah, it's, I know, I know you sort of, you know Scott already, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, Alice, um, I was wondering if you could tell us about you're the executive director of Defending Democracy, and I was wondering if you could just start by telling us what you do and uh, your role at Defending Democracy. Yeah, sure. Um, so I founded uh, Defending Democracy in um, November 2017. And, um, well, there's actually a whole story behind it. <laughs> And it might be interesting to uh, for the, the podcast to to tell a little bit more about this. Absolutely. Um, maybe just a, a quick um, side note. Uh, so my I'm not a native English speaker. So if sometimes I'm looking for words, that's probably because my native language is Dutch because I'm no. from the Netherlands originally. I can already tell your English is better than. A, a large percentage of people who live in America. <laughs> trust, trust me. Um, so here's the here's the the story. Um, so uh, um, I don't know even know where to start because it's it's I can I have a long version and a short version. I think the um, short-ish version is that in. Uh, so uh, I, I, I live and work in, in Brussels now, which is like the capital of the European Union. Mm. And uh, for the first five years that I've been working here, I worked as a freelance consultant, mostly on European energy and climate policies. And I used uh, digital advocacy, mainly Twitter, to kind of... Um, advocate for more ambitious energy and climate policies. Mm -hmm. um, I was quite successful in that or well known if you prefer. Uh, I was, I still am one of the so-called EU influencers, which I probably the, the equivalent would be a, a, D, a DC influencer. Um, Top 40, I believe, right? I, I looked you up. Yes, I think I think this year I'm on number twelve or something. Um, or well, yeah. Anyway, that doesn't really matter. But or, or as Donald Trump would say, number one. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I was doing this for five years, more or less, and uh, I was due to my work and due to also to my political interest, I was very very much online um mostly on twitter following news and stuff and this is how i saw uh, some things 
happening uh, in real time, like uh, the first bots, the first trolls. Mm. Um, I can I can tell you more about that later. Um, by the time of the Brexit referendum, which was also almost uh, three years ago now, mm-hmm. I felt there was so much political and geopolitical turmoil going on that I thought, hmm, I don't know exactly what this is, but it might be even more urgent than the climate crisis. Mm. So I started reading and tweeting more broadly about, I was also looking at, you know, what's happening at NATO level, at UN level. I was really trying to look beyond the Brussels bubble and um, started tweeting about, you know, digital things that I was worried about or that I found interesting Mm. uh, about human rights, about democracy. But still, I didn't like exactly had not put my finger on like what really was the thing. And this was like um, in October 2017, I realized after a book uh, talk, like, okay, hang on. Now I know what's really, really uh, concerning and bothering me, uh, increasingly so, Mm. uh, and that's Russian interference in our elections. And yeah, then I also realized, but there's not really, I think, an organization that is looking at all the different aspects of that problem. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see much of a response also, um, which was quite worrying. Mm-hmm. So I did some some research and decided, okay, well, what I'm looking for doesn't exist yet. So mm-hmm. that's how I started uh, defending democracy. And Alice, that was around, did you say 2017? Yes. Yeah. It's very interesting because um, I don't know if this would be the word that you might use, but it's it sounds like a type of awakening. And I know that a lot of Americans, myself included, like I didn't know what a bot was. I didn't know I I was on Twitter like everybody else, and I didn't know that people I was interacting with were in Russia in the Internet Research Agency. Was that a similar experience that you had? Um. Well, I didn't know that they, that there was this troll factory, but mm. I did know, and I happened to, because I was looking in some, some of my past tweets, I was actually looking for the subject of MH17, which is um, uh, a flight, an, an airplane that was shut down in uh, almost five years ago. Um, when it was flying over Ukraine, and um, yeah, in, right. in in that accident. Uh, so, well, let me tell me tell tell you about that uh, a little bit later. But sure. actually, I just saw that in in 2015, I was already tweeting like that Russian trolls were very fond of the MH17 hashtag because anytime I would tweet about it, they would re- reply. Wow. But I had no, at the time, I had no idea that there was a, like a, a, even a factory for it. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. I interviewed uh, I interviewed the the uh, Finnish journalist Jessica Aro, and she uh, was the I think one of the first people, or maybe first or second, to uh, let the world know about that factory. Um, and I've I've read about that flight too. I'm sure we can get into that later, but uh, that that itself is an interesting story. I saw an article on Bellingcat about that the other day. Um, can you tell us about what de- defending democracy your organization does and day to day? Sure. Um, well, so initially, um, it started as, or I thought about what would be the mission. And so initially, the mission was to defend democracy against the the Kremlin's hybrid threats. Mm-hmm. And I divided those in, in three, let's say, pillars. Um, one was disinformation and mm-hmm. The other was cyber attacks, and then the third one was what I call political warfare, which is anything ranging from uh, money laundering to bribing politicians to uh, funding extremist parties to uh, getting like even states uh, beholden on on the Kremlin via, for example, uh, energy infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So it's it's this whole range of, let's say, active measures that uh, con- that together are what I consider the the, the hybrid threats to to our democracies. Mm. However, um, within a few months, I you know after reading. And, and talking with more people and uh, also working visit to the United States, um, I realized that the internal threats to democracy, so the, the, the much reported about backsliding of uh, our democratic uh, societies, mm-hmm. uh, is the other side of the same coin. And I realized it's, it's not, at least for me, it wasn't possible to address the one without the other. So that's uh, how now it's, uh, the mission is to defend democracy against both external and internal threats. Yeah, that's, and, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and uh, so the, um, in, in practice, the, the besides, you know, awareness raising, uh, and trust me, there's still a lot of awareness raising necessary, um, in, in practice, this also uh, means for us to be growing and supporting communities of democracy defenders. And um, actually, when I speak about democracy defenders, it's more broadly about defending our values. So mm-hmm. that also includes human rights and rule of law. Um, and we both, we, these communities are both online and offline. That's really, in a nutshell, what what we're doing. So, so the offline maybe is interesting to hear a little bit about uh, one thing in particular that we're doing. We started um, after I visited the United States. Uh, this was um, in February, March, two thousand eighteen. Um, I. Uh, when I came back in Brussels, I realized I would miss two things um, 
after that visit to the United States, which was only three weeks. Mm. Uh, one was to watch at 9 p.m. together with some friends uh, on weekdays, at least, uh, Rachel Meadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing was to have precisely this circle of friends that I could discuss these kinds of topics with, because mm-hmm. I didn't have such a circle in, in Brussels. So I, dis- I said this to a friend, and he said, well, there might be an appetite for s- something like it. So first we created like a, a short list, uh, a long list and a short list, and to have like a, a really close group of people and mm. they beca- they are now the um, they have become the advisory group to mm. defending democracy but as a group we also um, decided to org- start organizing monthly so-called democracy drinks I saw that on your webpage that's that's yes. a great idea yes I've been Actually, doing that was, oh good I was in- I was inspired by the green drinks mm. They, uh, it's a concept that started like, I think like 20 or maybe even 30 years ago. I don't know, but they started in one city at first and then someone moved to another city and this person thought, I also want green drinks in my new city. Mm-hmm. And then it, gradually it began growing and growing. And now they're organized in, I think like over 500 or 600 cities across the world. Wow. So, yeah, I had been going to the the Brussels Green Drinks and I thought, hmm, maybe I can apply that concept to democracy. So we started doing that in last October in Brussels. Mm. And uh, people were so enthusiastic about it. Um, And I could see how it really was working into, you know, connecting people and organizations. So I thought, well, maybe it's worth trying to like like the green drinks to make this really a bigger thing. And so we recently launched the democracy drinks in Berlin, Germany. Mm-hmm. And um, soon, probably in September, we will launch our first democracy drinks in the United States. That's fantastic. Well, I definitely yeah. would love to... I'd love to be the co-captain of uh, the Los Angeles uh, as a frequent bar fly. I can handle that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, maybe who, who knew that drinking might be the key to solving uh, the world's problems? Um, yeah, well, we can drink soft drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Um, it's, it's, look, anything that gets people, the, I mean, the point, I think, if I understand, it's really to get people out and uh, the to to talk and to be around other people like-minded people and then any ideas that happen are great Uh, yes it's really about you know it's it's non-partisan it's not about defending one particular political party or or even one particular um institution it's really about defending democracy or defending our values more in general and about just networking with like-minded people and being inspired or mm. uh, but of course you can also uh, use it as an occasion to to give a workshop or uh, we did um, a special edition at the European Parliament 
we actually had the um, European premiere of uh, the documentary Active Measures. Oh, yeah. I interviewed uh, uh, the filmmakers. Uh, yeah, about, well, yeah. they were in Brussels, and we also invited Bill Browder for oh, um, and and three members of European Parliament for um, a debate after the movie, which was, I have to say, fascinating. Mm-hmm. I bet. Um, I want to ask you kind of a, a general question. Uh, it's it's a very broad question. What what is it about democratic principles that you and I both believe in that's better for the world than the the principles being pushed by Putin or any of these authoritarians. I mean, what is, what's better about what we believe in, uh, in your opinion? I think there's lots of different definitions of democracy and, um, it probably means something else to, so like almost every person. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think for me, what, captures it it at best is is freedom mm-hmm. the the freedom to 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 speak up for causes you care about um the freedom to elect the representative you think represents your your mm-hmm. interests and and values best um yeah just freedom in in a very, very broad sense. Right. I, that to me is, uh, I agree. That's, that's what it's all about in places, countries run by authoritarians and even unfortunately in places like in America, which are increasingly, uh, free speaking people are under attack in, in places like that. You can't, you can't live how, I mean, I'm just kind of speaking for myself now, how people were Mm -hmm. supposed to live. You're, you're like looking over your shoulder, that's not how we were supposed to live. Like you're supposed, you're supposed to be able to say something crazy and not have to worry about whether the government's going to knock on your door. And I don't mean crazy. I just mean we're, we're supposed to have that type of freedom, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, and that, it yeah. seems like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What, 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 you know, as a, as a teenager in, in high school, I learned about things like, you know, maybe because she was in, in the Netherlands, I read uh, Anne Frank's diary at a very young age, and that really made a huge impression on me. And um, yeah, I guess I was kind of, maybe not an activist, that's the wrong word, but I was like interested in, in things like social justice and... and um, on a, as later, I was I was slightly less involved with those kinds of things, but mm-hmm. because I don't know, some somehow it seemed that you know everything was going in the right direction. Maybe a bit slow. For mm-hmm. example, for women's rights, there's still work to do. But I, generally, I really felt like okay, we're we're getting there, mm-hmm. but. Since a few years, I'm not. Long, I'm no longer so sure. Right. And it feels like we 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 have to be careful that we're not going backwards. Which is kind of. No, I know that history is not a linear thing, mm. and there are cycli and 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 so on. But 
I was like, oh my god, this is this is not something I really kind of would have expected, like maybe ten years ago. Yeah, here here in America, it definitely. You brought up Anne Frank, and it it is it has been shocking to know that, you know, in in World War II, um, I'm Jewish, and you know it was pretty mm-hmm. common as you as you know you neighbors betrayed you know your neighbor turned you in, and yeah, I find myself thinking now as I think about some of my own personal relationships in this country and some people who they look at me differently now, I. I never changed my beliefs. I just started opening my mouth more or they won't talk to me. And I find myself sometimes thinking, I wonder if it came to it, would you, would you turn me in? But of course I already know the answer is yes, of course they would. Mm. And isn't it strange to look at people you've known all your life like differently? Yeah. And I'm so sorry to hear that, Eric. I, I have some friends in the United States who are Jewish too. And I have to say their word too. They're really like, I mean, sometimes we joke about how they can come to Europe, <laughs> <You're right>. but <laughs> I mean, it's, it's quite serious. Yeah. And I knew, I mean, even before I started like defending democracy, I, I because I, I even blogged about it, I was, you know, right a few months after Brexit, we had the American presidential elections in 2016 and I just knew that this was bad news and not just for the United States because I knew that people like Orban, um, Erdogan and others, they would be emboldened by him mm-hmm. and that it would, that it would be bad news for, for democracy yeah, in, in Europe too. Yeah. Yeah, my actually, uh, my entire family ha- hails from Hungary, so it is, it is both sides. Ah. So it, it's interesting to see. Yeah, he to me he's even more dangerous because unlike um, uh, whatever we have going on here in America, he's he's intelligent. Uh, always, <laughs> always a more dangerous combination. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I want to ask you, what do you think are America like? So we do see this rise of populism uh, in many places in the world, but. I want to ask you as as a uh, you're you're not an American. So do you see America having any unique challenges facing this threat than than Europe does? Well, yes. <laughs> uh, I think mainly two things. Uh, well, I can think of more, but please. Um, so one is the huge polarization of American society. Mm. Um, before Trump got elected, I have to say I I hadn't even been, I had never visited the United States. Oh. Okay, maybe just on one, one uh, flight uh, stopover, but that doesn't really count. Sure. Um, so I didn't really, I mean, besides watching some American movies and series and and so on, I didn't really, didn't really know super much about American culture or society. Mm-hmm. So, but via social media, I got in touch with a lot of Americans, um, and and to this day, even though I've been, I have 
very extensive um, contacts and exchanges with them, like on a daily basis for like almost three years now. Um, but I'm still sometimes surprised by this by this polarization. Mm. Like, for example, if I need to tweet about a new um, bill that's been introduced or 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 anything, mm. I always need to think, like, okay, was this a Republican or a Democrat, or can I say that it was bipartisan? Mm. Well, and I mean that's for for from my perspective that was like rather new and similar for the question like you know you you hear now um oh shouldn't democrats act to get trump impeached i'm like well you know shouldn't like congress in general do this right. why are you only looking at democrats and of course i know the situation but still it, it continues to sometimes surprise me so that's one the the, the polarization is is one aspect mm -hmm. the other aspect and um as far as i know it's 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 related is the um openness or or kind of vulnerability for uh conspiracy theories and and even before all this, uh, I was sometimes so surprised that there apparently are still Americans who who just can deny climate science. Yeah, tell me about and it. And it's not even, and you know, it's often said like, oh, they don't believe in climate change. Well, I'm sorry, but it's not a question of believing it. Right. It's scientifically proven. I mean, I'm my background is a philosophy of science and technology. So, mm. uh, of course, there there are some areas of science where it's still. Um, and I'm not saying that in climate science everything is now uh, has been fully uh, I mean there's still new new facts and details being dis discovered about of course for, for example that the ice might melt even faster or this or that but I mean like 99% of scientists agree and this has been tested and peer-reviewed and whatnot that climate that global warming is caused by humans mm -hmm. and so this is this is some basic things, and so I I feel that Americans, but also some other countries, are more um, well, let's say, open to to kind of like non non factual information. That was a very nice we way. That was a very <laughs> nice way of saying stupid. I like that. I know you weren't uh, saying that. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I wasn't. So, no. yeah. So that's, of course, an, an environment in which um, this information from uh, whether that's 
coming from a hostile state actor or or from uh, increasingly from from domestic sources um, but that's an environment in which this in, in in which disinformation can thrive so I, I, in Europe I'm just curious uh, something like climate science there's a much less degree of these individuals who don't believe it I mean is it more just the populations just accept the facts yes of course of course you also i mean here you also have and i think it's partly due to the um also to the nature of social media um and the fact that uh you know authoritative um uh, news outlets have less money for i mean their business model is under pressure let's mm -hmm. let's be clear about that uh, due to social media so they have like less journalists it's 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 tougher to to cover everything um and and social media has as a in itself is is polarizing because mm -hmm. as you probably know i mean we're we've become very um, we've discovered a lot more in recent years about how algorithms are working and how how clicks and likes uh, and the business model of uh, tech platforms, how they are like um, amplifying mm. um, different positions and and that they are feeding on on extreme positions uh, on both sides so yeah there's 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 people or who are i would say um yeah i mean even yes even here increasingly it's not about criticizing uh, opinions or or exchanging uh, opinions but also about facts unfortunately right. Right. That's a, in America, that's definitely, it's a huge problem. I mean, I think almost every problem that we have in this country goes back to just education. Uh, just, uh, I got a very good public education paid for by the government, but you know, there's many places that you go around this country. It's like just simple math. They don't, you don't put the money into it. So you can't hire the best people. Um, although there's many great teachers out there, but if you, it's just, you know, people are going to gravitate to where they can uh, the, the most prestige and make the most money. And so, and when you have teachers in America who, I don't know if this is a problem in Europe, but teachers here, sometimes they have to buy their own supplies. They it's, that's all going to have a, a catastrophic effect eventually leading to that. The students in the class grow up thinking that there's some sort of option with climate. Like, Oh, like there's just two sides. Like there aren't two sides. There's the truth yep. and there's something else. Uh, and that's a huge problem we have here, just prizing education. Um, yeah, it's it's education and critical thinking, exactly. but it's also it's it, but it's also media, mm -hmm. and this 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 what is this so called balanced approach in mm -hmm. which apparently uh, some especially like talk show kind of formats mm -hmm. feel that they should. Um, <laughs> 
that they should invite someone who who is not even a scientist, but right. that they someone from the other side, which it, doesn't matter if that's just uh, a, an opinion former or who hasn't studied science. That doesn't matter apparently, mm. but that's not helpful. And, and that's, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And 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 this is. I mean, this is not uh, without consequences. Mm -hmm. This can have like real life consequences. I mean, climate science or, or climate change is, is is one thing, but we also have the the, the whole anti-vax, um, well, mm -hmm. wave. That I mean, this can cost lives. This is absolutely dangerous i'm glad you brought that up you know it's funny you know what i did yesterday i had to get a second i had to get a measles booster um i'm an adult male who was already vaccinated against measles when i was a kid and then my doctor said your levels are because of, there's an outbreak where we live i i it was like almost unbelievable i was sitting there in the office i'm like i'm getting a measles vaccine again like wow i'm getting a measles vaccine because people, my fellow citizens, some of them, are not vaccinating their kids. I, that's uh -huh. crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think is that... in uh, in some, I can't remember which European country. I think it was France. Um, I think I read like two weeks ago that they were discussing uh, whether or not um, children of that were not vaccinated could still attend uh, school mm. like can like they, they were like considering whether they should adopt some kind of regulation that uh, non vaccinated children uh, could no longer attend uh, kindergarten or something right yeah I think the general definition or my definition of freedom is that it's sort of your freedom ends where my safety starts. So exactly. that's like, you know, that's yes. crazy. Um, yes. I, yeah. I wanna... And this, this, yes. Yeah. Well, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Tell, go, what were you going to say? Um, well, I know that the whole um, amendment one and because, you know, when you're talking about disinformation, what often comes up is, Oh yeah, but you can't like censor people uh, because their freedom of speech does this amend the First Amendment and so on. Mm. But uh, well, there I think there are several um, comments to make on, on that, and one of them is that uh, for for example that bots don't have human rights. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And um, well, there's there's some more. Like I would say, there's there's a limit uh, to freedom of speech mm. when uh, when when this uh, endangers other people's lives. Exactly. Um, I was wondering, can you take us through your organization defending democracy? Can you take us through a, I don't know, a typical day? What how you start your day and then how how you end it? What you do there? Uh, mm -hmm. um, wow, I'm not sure there are <laughs> maybe there isn't typical a typical days. 
<laughs> or maybe just pick one day that stood out to you. Uh, yeah. Um, well, mostly it's a combination of things. Like, uh, generally, the first thing I do in the morning is um, open my Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> um, catch up on my Twitter lists and, and any messages I might have or my notifications, uh, but also my RSS feeds, like, okay, what happened uh, overnight? Um, yeah, mostly there's, there's quite some catching up reading to do. Um, I make sure that uh, our social media channels have some good content. Um, and because many of our uh, followers are based in the United States, I uh, try to uh, post like uh, European related news or posts in the, let's say during uh, European office hours and then in the evening we share some um, more uh, American related news. Mm -hmm. I often uh, also have uh, meetings with other organizations. Um, there's like in Washington DC, there's quite some policy events here. And I have to say that I'm glad to see that um, maybe not yet so much. Yeah, but d d democracy and, and in general, but also mm. more in particular, uh, uh, disinformation mm. is really uh, getting more prominently on the political agenda. So you mm. can also see that in the number of events that are being organized around these topics. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, of course, uh, around the European elections we had for the European Parliament just uh, last week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone has been preparing for that for like at least, I would say, 18 months. Mm -hmm. um, now that the outcome is like less worse than we than some have feared, um, well, it's still not time to sit back and relax. <laughs> sure. Um, but it's a good moment to like... Uh, Take a breath, take a deep breath, and 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 reflect on. Okay, now that we've done this, what will be um, our next main focus? And um, yeah, for for us, uh, one of the things for sure is is the democracy drinks because <laughs> it's it's a very I would say it's a very concrete way of bringing people together and raising awareness. And um, it's good to do stuff also offline instead of only online, mm -hmm. because we sometimes we sometimes tend to forget that there is also a life offline. <laughs> True. I recently I recently had a discussion with uh, my American friends who. Um, you know, there's lots of people now um, on Twitter saying, oh, we must impeach Trump now. But, uh, and, you know, they're tweeting about that like all day or all week or all month. Um, 
But it's important to also go offline and go to town halls and mm -hmm. to call your representatives and to, because in the offline world, um, you know, online people might all seem to agree with you. Right. Um, or there might seem to be like a big majority of people who want to start impeachment procedures right now. But when you go offline and when you check the polls, uh, this is not the case yet. Right. Um, I'm a huge believer in uh, confronting, especially public officials and public. I mean, of course, you know, politely um, as well, maybe not politely, but as civility. <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. Not right. Because um, a lot of there was I'm sure as you want you being someone who follows the news, you know, there's these stories about these people like uh, the press secretary being confronted in restaurants. You know, that you gave up your right to eat a meal in peace when you started putting the kids in, in jails and things like that. So, yeah, no, I'm sorry. And I think one thing, one thing they try to do is hide because when, you don't, when you're not face-to-face -face with anybody, it's very easy to disappear into your own realm. So, yes, uh, yeah. town halls, whatever, just facing the public yes. um, uh, is, is a huge, important thing. Yeah. I want to ask you, speaking of the... The European, as you said, uh, the EU just had an election. Can you tell us just about the result and your opinion on that result? Uh. Well, in advance, so so prior to the elections, uh, many um, journalists were afraid that the all kinds of populist parties would would get huge gains. Mm -hmm. um, Luckily, it was not that bad. It's not that it's all good, but um, it, it could have been worse. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly, uh, the, the, so the main, uh, let's say, um, center parties, that is the, the, the center right and the center left, um, they lost... Uh, some seats. They are not as big as as before. Mm -hmm. They're still they're, they're still the two biggest, but um, they they lost seats. And parties who gained was not like not just the let's say the the more a few two more populist parties, mm -hmm. but also um, the uh, the green parties uh, mm. won quite a lot. And the European Greens is nothing like the Jill Stein Greens in the United States. It's the really not not the same. The Russian, the Russian Greens that we have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in Europe, the Greens are more about, you know, uh, there should be uh, we should try to stop uh, global warming. Uh, they also care a lot about rule of law, about democracy, about transparency, um, yeah, about quality of life, um, social justice, and so on. So they did um, uh, surprisingly better than than uh, people had expected, and um, also because this is in some of the bigger countries, so France, Germany, and um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, I forgot. Another. Uh, the, I think also the UK. Mm. Um, 
these beans that although they are not the biggest, they have like they will get the most votes they had ever in their history. Mm-hmm. And it also means that um, they probably might get uh, a kingmaker role. Oh. As in, um, uh, for example, for the. Oh, well, that's, this, this, this story is getting too complicated because no, no, no. now that means I will have to explain the, the EU's leadership shuffle in a nutshell, which is super complicated. Well, do your best. I, we love to hear about it. Uh, well, I think it's not so interesting. Uh, okay. or It's really complicated, but Just, it means that we'll you Google have to it. take... It means that taking into account a lot, a lot of uh, criteria, like uh, gender balance, like balance between Eastern and Western European countries, because there will be several leadership... Um, uh, posts will become available after this mandate. It's the president of the European Commission, it's the president of the European Council, and the president of the um, European Parliament, uh, plus the high representative, which is like the EU's top diplomat. So that's the four main posts that will become available. And uh, it's a huge puzzle each five years. Um, and so it now seems that, yeah, the, the, the Greens might have a, a role in, 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 in forming uh, a coalition and, and having a say in, um, well, some of the priorities or, yeah. So it's, it's really... Um, Climate is is back mm. on the agenda for sure. Yeah, what I read too. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that it really sounded like, especially younger people, were really embracing the more progressive end and a little bit of a rejection of uh, of centrist policies. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think in general, and I actually read a, a nice article about that today. Is that in general? Um, uh, young people have suddenly become interesting, interested in the European Union mm-hmm. because they realize that uh, only when you uh, coordinate with other countries, you can stop, um, for example, uh, Google and Facebook or mm-hmm. the climate crisis or, or other things that really as a country alone, especially, I mean, we're not the United States, our countries, where each one of us in itself is rather small. Well, maybe not Germany, but even mm-hmm. Germany. So it's it's only as, as a union of 28 countries that we can be considered equals at, for example, the G7. Well, now, now that Trump is president, uh, you're all definitely surpassing us. <laughs> we, our our uh, our ranking has slipped a little bit, but hopefully we'll get that back at and become the uh, so. become the arrogant superpower we once were. Um, with <laughs> well, please don't. <laughs> oh no, no, no. No, That's but what... I think it's I think it's really important that um, we and and in this respect, I truly I know. I I still know that you know, Trump does not equal the United States. And 
that um, you know, even the Trump administration, uh, there's there's still lots of good people working there, and and so I truly truly hope that uh, the 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 diplomatic relations and the, the relations of of friendship and and history and that we have built together as allies in in over the past decades that not not too much damage is done and that we can um well that we can that we can repair um what has been damaged and and hopefully um stand together as allies again because we will need it yeah yeah the you know they say history has all you know study history we know what happens when the world fractures into small groups, countries, nationalism, because we've seen it. And that's why when we, the United States and Europe, you know, rebuilt the world after World War II and formed NATO and all these, it's not like we did those things just for, I don't know, like it was a fun thing to do. We, you have to have these things to work out the, because humans need to connect with each other. Otherwise we know what happens already. Uh, yeah. And, and this and this is precisely what the Kremlin does not want. Yeah, they they want us. They want they want to divide and conquer. And one thing I hope the rest. I mean, I know, I just hope most of the world knows that the Trump administration are fanatics beyond far what even polls show. And and you're right. There are so many good people who are bureaucrats who were working there before then, and they. Right. That's tough because, you know, that's your job. But these people are so far beyond what the average American believes. Um, it's, 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 it's a fraction. It's just crazy. It's, it's crazy that those people are in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, you brought up uh, Russia, so uh, Mr. Putin. What, what is their goal? What does he, what does he really want? Um... Well, maybe it's good to say I'm not. I'm not really uh, a Russia expert, as in uh, you know. I'm. I'm like like you, like most people. I'm. I'm new to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'm reading a lot about it and uh, meeting people and and going to 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 events and 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 so on and so on. Um, but it's not like I'm an ex- academic or have studied it for a long time. Um, but I think there's, there's, I could say two things. One is that um, money is playing a big role in all this. It's, I think, one thing I discovered increasingly over the past, I would say, two years is that corruption is corroding our democracies. Mm. Really, it's, uh, it's, it's a big part of the whole problem um yeah <laughs> yeah there's yes money i think that might be the number i'm reading a book right now called Moneyland, and yes i yeah did i know you... I, ha- I haven't read it but i know yes and i know about it i i read some some like a brief uh, briefer version of it in an article yes y- yeah by this uh, oliver i think burroughs I'm, I'm trying to get him right. on the show too and yeah, it's, it's it's amazing how these these uh, like transnational really crime syndicates move money around the world. And you're right; that's 
it's just all about that and power. Yes, um, it is. I mean, and just yeah, look also at the the, the active measures documentary. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's about mafia. Mm -hmm. So that's and um, so I think one of the so besides being able to hold on to their money and all their assets uh which is like about billions mm -hmm. um also uh, and especially uh, uh stored abroad uh i think also uh another one that makes the the kremlin tick mm. is to make sure that um you know because they they don't have a big uh, flourishing economy mm -hmm. uh, so one of the things you can do as a as a as a smaller uh, economic power is um, if you can't grow or or be be a big power then make sure that other powers might get smaller and how can you do that well by making sure that um, uh, for example, the 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 some of the core uh, foundations of their societies um, are getting more uh, less stable and more wobbly, like uh, uh, the rules-based order or the um, our our values. So it's it's really kind of um, I'm trying to think what the English expression is, but um, I think it's, it's, uh, um, uh, I think you said it perfectly. Ah, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Just tear it's down. Like we, yeah. It's like we have, the, we have this expression, um, to sew the, um, the, the feet from someone's chair or the legs from someone's chair. Mm. Oh, anyway. Yes. Yeah, no. No. I get it. I I completely get it. It's just okay. They they can't become what he wants, or he uh, has some kind of strange or whatever you want to call it for a past that there's no more Soviet Union. So just rip everything else up. You know, tear the world apart. Makes so you look better. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I you know I just really have one more question I want to ask you, which is uh, what so what can the ordinary person do to stand up for democracy every every day ah that's a good question i think uh so you already said uh, mentioned a very important aspect which is every day uh i think doing democracy is not just going to the polls like every four years or two years um but it's really about um informing yourself and um, when you see uh, going to town hall meetings um, speaking up for when something is wrong or when you see um, uh, there is a, a proposal for a new bill Call your representative that you support it, or call your representative like, "Hey, um, 
are you supporting this? And if not, uh, why not? Or share why you think it's important. Um, also, don't be afraid to speak up with friends, family, colleagues. Um, I'm not saying you need to start like a, uh, a debate with them every day. <laughs> sure. But um, I don't know, just just uh, maybe an example, like next time someone says, um, you know, I don't think um, I should have my children vaccinated or uh, or, or that it's that it's dangerous to do so, mm. or you know when you hear something that is not um, factually uh, correct, then you can gently point out, hey, that's that's not what I learned when I was in school, or or I don't think that's what scientists agree, or. Right. Um, yeah, I think maybe, maybe, maybe we have each of us a responsibility to, um, yeah, to 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 stand up. To, yeah, to stand up, not to mm -hmm. not to taking not to take things for granted. Yeah. Even 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 facts, unfortunately. Yeah, you you stand up, you say what you believe, and there. If they're going to believe it, they will. If they won't, they won't. But it to me, that's what it's all about. That's why what's going on right now in this country with just to bring it back for a sec to like impeachment, why, why I'm so disturbed by my own party is that they aren't even um, really standing up, in my opinion. What that's to me, that's what the you know, not to get too sidetracked, but impeachment is about. It's about bringing the truth to light. Whether he wins or not, that will happen or, or won't happen. But to just not even try is so, uh, it's so strange to me. Stand up and then the chips fall where they may, as they say. Um, well, as, as far as I know, and, and uh, you know, I'm following this also quite closely. Uh, uh, you know, some, some discussion groups and so on. Um, but, you know, of course, I'm not American, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, as far as I know, they are, I mean, it may not be called impeachment hearings or procedure or, or whatever, but mm. there are hearings going on and slowly but surely the truth is being found out. and. Uh, I think it was only yesterday that I read a really good article from uh, uh, a legal uh, expert who mm. says, you know, guys, I'm as much impatient as you are, mm. but as a, as a legal expert, I know that it takes time to build a case. Well, that's true. It does take time to build a case. There's definitely, uh, you're correct. I mean, there's, there's differing viewpoints on how to proceed. I think that... Uh, I, I personally think that America's running out of time and we're long since past when really the time to stand up in a, in a public way. But look, there's people who 
agree with um, taking a, a more another kind of path. And I guess you know, look, we'll see what works. Uh, mm-hmm. I uh, it's it's sometimes it's hard to find the right answer. I guess. Yeah. Um, Alice, um, how do people reach your organization if they want to contact you or help you in defending democracy? Um. Well, you. Uh, I would probably say social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on. Uh, I think most active on on Twitter. Our handle is Defend Democracy uh, because defending democracy was too long. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah, and of course our website and uh, and especially uh, stay tuned for the uh, first American democracy drinks. Oh. In uh, pro- probably in mid September, and I won't disclose which city that will be yet, mm. because uh, yeah, we're we're about to announce that uh, a bit later. But uh, yeah, it would be great to to meet a lot of uh, listeners at our American Democracy drinks. And when you get, I'll, I'll when, send you an invitation. <laughs> oh, I would love to go. We all of us here at the forensic news team and uh, our listeners, believe me, we would love to to be there. That would be fantastic. Um, well, uh, Alice, is there anything else you want to talk about or tell our audience? Anything on your mind? Um, we talked about a lot. Yeah, we talked about a lot. <laughs> uh, so there may. We we may have covered yeah. everything. I yeah. I mean, I'm sure we could talk another hour. <laughs> I'm sure we could. <laughs> or, or more. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe uh, maybe should we should do that another time. <laughs> we will. I think that's the smart, the measured European perspective. Um, right. <laughs> well, I want to thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking to us. And uh, we it was really my look, pleasure. Yeah, I really look forward to doing this again uh, next time. Thank you very much for listening. That was Alice Stolmeyer, the Executive Director of Defending Democracy. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at IntelPod. My personal account is Eric LeVay, E-R-I-C-L-E-V-A-I. Forensic News is on Twitter at Forensic News Net. Please support us on Patreon at Forensic News, and we'll talk to you next time.